everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we've operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. George, I haven't talked to you in about a year, so how are things been going in the last year? You know, it's been exciting. It's always a... Uh, there's a lot of craziness, but we continue to do the work. Uh, this year actually has been incredibly productive. Uh, we began to do our environmental justice work, so we started with a big case uh, against a uh, metal recycler that had been poisoning the water and the environment around uh, a high school and housing development in South LA. Uh, we started our waste theft unit, and we now are prosecuting some very big cases. We're seeing violent crime coming down. Uh, you know, we're sort of now approaching the pre-pandemic period. At the same time that we have held police accountable, uh, we continue to do work around criminal justice reform. We're doing a lot of work around diversion, dealing with mental health issues. Um, you know, frankly, we're we're trying to also gear up uh, for our campaign this coming year and make sure that our coalition stays strong. Uh, feel very fortunate that. Uh, you know, the people that brought me into place in 2020 are all standing with us and we're actually seeing, you know, new people coming into our coalition. So this is a very exciting times. And you mentioned that crime is going down, but you wouldn't know it if you read the newspaper or watch the news. Uh, how do you get that across to the public? Yeah, you know, one of the, the I would say one of the biggest challenges that we have is how can we get, you know, factual information in a way that people um, understand it, in a way that people see it. Uh, there's so much misinformation concerning crime, and as you indicated, we're actually crime nationally, but certainly in LA County per capita is coming down faster than many other, many other jurisdictions that, that continue to adhere to the old way of doing business, you know. So the problem for us, and I say us because I'm really part of a team, is how do we get the message out? How do we get this information out on social media? How do we get uh, traditional media to more aggressively provide a balanced approach to the work? Uh, you know, there's often, uh, especially within the Republican Party, you see people talking about crime in jurisdictions that are being uh, that are being run by by progressive Democrats. So you saw like the you know Governor DeSantis was here about a week ago. And he was talking during a TV interview about organized retail theft in L.A. and that I was not prosecuting those cases, which is clearly a lie. But interestingly enough, what he did not say is that actually organized retail theft is creating havoc in Florida. So you see those things going on where you see 
you know, Republicans trying to put crime onto my work or reform work, and often they don't tell you the reality is that actually per capita crime is much higher in those jurisdictions. We know that violence, especially gun violence, is substantially higher in the state of Florida than it is in the state of California or Texas. But yeah, if you listen to the news, you would think it would be the other way around. So educating the public, getting this information out there is critically important, not only for the work that I'm doing, but for the work that we're trying to do across the state, across the country. What would you cite as your biggest accomplishment of your first term so far? Yeah, you know, for me, I think that coming out of two years of this, you know, hard lockdown, a, a pandemic that was unprecedented uh, for generations, and being able to actually implement all this criminal justice reform initiative that we did, and then seeing crime now going down and showing that actually the policies and the, the work that we're doing actually is congruent. It actually helps safety that doesn't create more insecurity. For me, that, that I think has been the, the largest accomplishment. And, and it's not my accomplishment, it's our accomplishment. This has taken a lot of people to be here. It took a lot of people to put me in office. It takes a lot of people for me to do the work every day. And I, I think that this is a wonderful testament to the fact that reform actually can work and it's actually good for our community. And what is your biggest goal for a second term? Yeah, my biggest goal would be uh, not only to continue to do the work, but actually continue to, to build a culture of the LA District Attorney, which is the largest uh, prosecuting office in the country. Um, to become a 21st century prosecuting office, an office that understands that accountability and rehabilitation are not antagonistic to one another, an office that understands that public safety and humanity are actually uh, congruent, that they work together, an office that understands that we have a responsibility to make sure that our work does no harm, that we are, that we use a moral compass that understands that whether you're poor or rich, whether you're black or brown or white, that the system is going to be for there equally with the same vigor and the same humanity. DA, can you talk about your record on police accountability? Of course. Look, first of all, let me begin by saying that there are people out there that like to say that I'm anti-police. And, you know, that's further to the truth. I was a police officer for over 30 years. I care deeply for policing, but I understand that it's so important for policing to be done right. Actually, the safety of our police brothers and sisters depends on communities trusting the police and communities across the board supporting the police. And part of that requires that our work be credible and that when we do something wrong, and I pay we because it also includes prosecutors, when we in positions of authority, whether you're talking about police officers, prosecutors, violate the law, we need to be held accountable. So the work that we have been doing in police accountability has been unprecedented for this county. When you look, we have now prosecuted over 100 police officers for on-duty misconduct, over 15 now for excessive force. When you compare that to the prior 20 years, two administrations, there were two police officers in 20 years that were prosecuted for excessive force. Here we are, two and a half years, almost three years in the place, over 15, but over 100 prosecutions. And what that does actually is creates space for police to do good work 
and creates the capacity for community to understand that the few, and I say the few because the very few police officers that actually violate the law, that they're going to be held accountable, that that actually increases the safety and the credibility of policing in our community. Yeah, and along those lines, there seems to be the perception that anytime uh, you want to attack police accountability and police misconduct, that you're anti-police, but in fact, uh, cleaning this up actually will help police. 100%. Look, there, there's a lot, of, a lot of data out there that shows that when police officers are well-led, when police officers work with community and they respect the community they work in, actually the work becomes safer for the police officer and they're much more effective. And that's not, there's actually scientific data behind this, which makes sense. I mean, if you look at it from a common sense point of view, when you treat people with humanity, when you treat people with respect, they will turn around and treat you most of the time with respect and humanity. Thank you so much for your time. Hi everybody, how you doing today? Great! No, 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 we're about to re-elect Dia Gascon. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Good morning everyone, I'm Eunice Hernandez, I'm the council member that represents the first district. Um, I was born and raised in LA in Highland Park, have lived here my entire life. I have dedicated a decade of my life to working on criminal justice reform issues, abolitionist issues, and trying to repeal laws that have disappeared our people, that have criminalized our people, that have disenfranchised our people. I luckily have had the privilege to work alongside Susan Burden, Assemblymember uh, Tina McKinner. Um, I even with uh, Congressman Tony Cardenas on drug policy many years ago when I was at Drug Policy Alliance. And I've dedicated myself to doing that work because my loved ones have been impacted. Instead of getting support and care for being impacted by the foster care system, problematic substance use, they ended up in jail or criminalized. I'm a survivor of sexual assault and the system didn't keep me safe. It didn't keep my loved ones safe. Instead, it created collateral consequences, literally disappeared our people. And so that's why I've dedicated myself to trying to repeal these laws, to make this system one that will keep us safe and remove the power from the system that doesn't keep us safe. And I think, you know, we can all remember those times when, you know, we had DA Lacey, you know, right before you came into office, my, one of my loved ones is impacted by, uh, uh, it was a ridiculous case of vandalism. And they were trying to throw two to five years of gang enhancements on him. And luckily, you know, we were able to get him probation, but in, he had no criminal history, but the DA at the time was willing to throw the whole book at him and throw them away. I organized expungement clinics with many of you in this room. There would be people that would come in with 11, 15, 31 convictions yeah. on their record. That means they were arrested, went through the court, were convicted that many times, and for what? It didn't work except create collateral consequences. I think many of us know that there are over 4,800 collateral consequences on the laws and policy books that keep our people from re-enfranchising, from living in certain places, from getting certain licenses. That's what we're trying to repeal. That's what we're trying to remove. And we're trying to walk into a place where we are safe, where we invest in the social safety nets that prevent the criminalization of our people, that make sure that you feel safe walking down to school or home or to work. Because right now, we have not given law enforcement more money in any other moment in history than we do right now. And people still don't feel safe. And so, DA Gaston, what you represent, is a future where people get second chances, where they don't throw the book at them, where you come back for the people who have been intentionally criminalized and disappeared and brought them back from unjust convictions 
that the DA's office has put on them. You have created and implemented policies that prevent our people from getting sucked up in there without any thought. You know, they, uh, the previous DAs have had no humanity or love for our communities. But you deal with all of the failures of our society. Assemblymember Tina McKinnon talked about the lack of employment, the cost of housing, the cost of food and gas. Has your checks increased at that rate? No, no, no. Now think about the people who have thousands of collateral consequences on them because they've been intentionally criminalized. This system is racist, we know that. You can look at the jail population where our black community members are only 9% of our general population here in our communities, over 30% of the people sucked up into the jail system. And then everybody else gets sucked up too. Black trans women during COVID-19, before that, were the least released and, le and the least to receive services. Yeah. And at least now, we have someone who's at the door of that system, who's making sure that people's humanity is looked at, that they're not just getting sucked up indiscriminately. And so I thank you for that. You represent a future that's better. You represent a future that prevents this disappearance of our people at a grand scale. And I just appreciate you for the work you've done to help also people that have been unjustly criminalized. But that's why I'm here to support you. Because I think a lot of you all know where I stand a lot of, on these issues. You know, I don't, I don't normally endorse prosecutors or <laughs> sheriffs. I don't do that. Because, again, I'm trying to take power from that system because I've seen the impact of that system on my loved ones. But I believe in you. You've, so far, you've kept up your word and the policies that you said you're gonna do. And just I'll, I'll, a side note for that, the policies that you're implementing, you didn't even do them on your own. There are people who are sitting in the audience that were part of the working groups that put together those policies. So even the policies came from community from directly impacted people. That never happened before. And so I just have a lot of hope for you. All right. And I look forward to the future with you. We got your back, I got your back, and I'm willing to throw down to make sure that we can continue on this path. My name is Assemblymember Tina McKenna, and I represent the 61st Assembly District. I would like to say I love you, George. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Born and raised right here in Southern California. I went to high school at Hollywood High School. In 1992, my life changed because we turned the TV on and we saw police officers beating Rodney King. And that is when I started my public service. I got out of off the sofa and I thought, oh my God, I have two little boys, two little black boys here, and I need to get involved because this is really bad, you know, to see this on television. This is the first time we've even seen anything like this on TV. Fast forward to watching um, George Floyd get murdered on television. Um, that happened and I'm full circle. I spent my whole 30 years, 30 years later in, in um, public service and this happens and I meet George Gascon. Um, and the way I meet George Gascon is because I'm working at LA Voice and LA Voice Action. Woohoo! Yeah! And we've decided that we're going to do our first C4 non, um, nonprofit community table campaigns. And we, we do this four years ago and we campaigned for two of the most progressive people in the country, George Gascon and Holly Mitchell. Yeah! yeah. And I work with organizations like Community Coalition, SEIU, Working Families Party, California Donor Table, uh, Unixis Hernandez, and Susan um, Burton to get uh, George elected. I hired a bunch of phone bankers, you guys, and they were all system impacted people. And so when we, we got ready to start making our phone calls, they looked at George's bio and they, went, they were ready to walk out. They said, no, 
we're not calling for a cop. So no, Tina, we're not doing it. And so we shut the phone bank down for about an hour and we said, okay, if you guys get online, resort, research George Gascon, and then tell me, come back and tell me what you think and we'll go from there. So we took the hour, they went online, they found, um, they found out that George was an ex-cop that wanted to reform the justice system. That was something they didn't think they would ever see. Um, all he wanted to do, guys, is make a police accountable. He no longer wanted kids to be prosecuted as an adult. He wanted to limit sentence enhancements and three strikes. He wanted to divert low-level misdemeanors in the death penalty, work to end cash bail. Wow, that's Yeah, that's yeah. great. So what did they do? They came back, they were energetic, they went up, they got on the phone, they were so insecure you wouldn't believe, and they were great phone bankers and they helped us. Not only did they help us win, but they also helped us fight off a recall where it didn't even get to go to the ballot. Two recalls, and we were a part of that. Um, between 2012 and 2019, Los Angeles County seen more people um, go to state prison per capita than 56 of the 58 counties in California. In spite of this, violent crime increased over 25%. This was before George. This was before George. But George Gascon <laughs> has kept his promise. Yes. Right? He's made us safe because he's made it safer. Look, reported homicides, rape, and aggravated assaults have declined this year compared to the 2021 reports over the same time this period. That's right. Because of George yes. Gascon. I had the privilege of authoring a bill sponsored by the Office of LA DA Gascon, AB 709, the criminal history disclosure that will allow for a narrow exception to share transcripts with defense attorneys. I know that's lawyery, but it's good for our people. Yeah. <laughs> George, I thank you so much for making LA County um, safer because you're here. I know that we, we hear not a lot about the, the economic crimes that happen on the ground. And when I say economic crimes, you know, when the rent's too high and the gas is too high and the food is too high, people do things that um, they wouldn't order, ordinarily do if you ever watch Trading Places. Um, they kind of depicted that. But George, I want to tell you that I believe in you, I endorse you, and, I, and brother, you're my brother, and I'll be here to stand with you the, the whole way. All right. I'm blessed to have been born just down the road in this great country. But unfortunately, for too many of us, we walk down the streets that are our own, but people look at us as though we don't belong. And sometimes the system <coughs> finds itself treating us as though we don't belong, or that we're second-class citizens, or that we're less than. When it comes to the justice system in America, unfortunately, for too many places in America, that is the system. Where if you're a black or brown child, and you're walking down the street on that side of town, you're likely going to be caught up, whether you did anything wrong or not. You're going to be caught up in the justice system that becomes unjust. And that went on far too long in this great county of Los Angeles. Too many DAs went along 
with that unjust system. Yes. Yes. Your children and your grandchildren far too often were subjected to be assumed to be a gang member, even though they might have been the hardest studying kid in that little community, even though they were more afraid of their mother or their father or their abuelita than they were the cops. They didn't do anything wrong. But they got thrown into a system, a system that disproportionately has people who have been tried and convicted and subsequent to that have almost no opportunity for remedy for the system to get right for them and their families. When somebody is incarcerated, it affects the entire family. When you live on the side of town where too many of your little ones and family members and community members have been incarcerated, it decimates the entire community. And people don't realize it, it hurts the entire community, not just that side of town. So when George Gascon, after a career of public service, including decades as a decorated police officer, assistant chief of police of the city of Los Angeles, decided to come back home to Los Angeles and run for district attorney. I called him and I said, George, is it true? You might come back home to our city, our county and run for city attorney? And he said, yes. And I said, you have my endorsement. <coughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't endorse George because of his dashing good looks. <laughs> it's a fact, but that wasn't the reason. It was because I know his character. He knows and feels what it's like to feel like other in his own country, the United States of America. He knows what it's like to be raised by a family right here in Cudahy and be treated like other. But it didn't make him angry. It made him better to be a just, righteous man. And as our district attorney, please look at the cases. Look at the fact that George Gascon is the first DA of Los Angeles. And thank God there's a few around the country like him who look at criminal justice, juvenile justice, the justice system, to try to make it just for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Far too often, people like to isolate themselves, especially DAs, and say, my job is to prosecute and to smash communities and families into believing that that is just, and it is not. Finally, we have a DA who is still prosecuting people and still doing his job. But he's also recognizing that we need to look at it holistically. And that is the DA that we have. And that's the DA that we need. And that's the DA that we need to reelect. George Gusco. Yeah. So it's our job, those of us who know the truth, 
those of us who've experienced injustice, those of us who know people in our lives, we know they're good young men and women, but have been spending 5, 10, 15, 20 years behind bars when that did not need to be the case. And let's not forget, and we know the families that they left behind. That's what crushes communities. Injustice. Over-prosecuting individuals, families, and entire communities. Our DA, George Gascon, is the kind of DA that the system was made to have. Unfortunately, the system has been bastardized all around the country to say, on this side of town, we don't need prosecutions. And on that side of town, that's the place that we need to look for people to put them in jail. Look for people to prosecute them. That is not justice. That is not equal justice. But that, unfortunately, is what America is in too many places. But finally, for the last few years, George Gascon has brought justice to, the, to Los Angeles, to the largest county in the country of 10 million people. We need to support him so that other DAs around the country can be brave enough to realize that they need to do the right thing and not succumb to the politics and the viciousness of division and of treating one person differently than another. That's why I'm supporting you, George Gusco. All right. I'll stand with you. I have your back because you have the community's back. You are finally bringing dignity to people who for too long have felt as though they don't matter. Thank you. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.